Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 89 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw. And with me today, I got my A-team with Janelle Wheeler. Hey, guys. Matt F- Matthew Aguilar over there. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> and producer Jim Viscardi is back. Hey, yo. I've just been doing nothing but humming the Mandalorian theme all morning. The one you just discovered you liked this year. That's the end part. Not the beginning part. The beginning part's That's the Mandalorian theme? Yeah. I've never heard someone split the hairs of the Mandalorian theme so finely. And you just came into this, just for our listeners, just context. You just came into liking this theme in season two, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. I didn't notice it in the first one. Just giving proper context with what we're doing. Producer Jim Viscardi, everybody. So (laughs) what are we talking about today on Comic Book Nation? We actually have a lot. I thought this was going to be like a nice, relaxing last double show for the week, but uh, apparently things were happening yesterday on Thursday. So we got a lot to talk about. First, we're going to get into Warner Brothers making the unprecedented move of dumping all of its big, not dumping, but putting all of its big 2021 movies in theaters and on HBO Max at the same time, and what this means for the movie industry. Then we are going to be getting into the latest chapter of The Mandalorian. Actually, we'll maybe move that to the end because I don't know how many of you are seeing this live and have actually watched the show. So we're going to move that to the end. We'll be talking about Marvel's Hawkeye going into production, then The Mandalorian, and then we have some comics talk to get to because we got to talk about the latest X-Men crossover event how it ended, and where the franchise is going from here. So let's get started with all of that right at the top. Like I said, Warner Brothers shocked the, I mean, like shocked the world yesterday. This was groundbreaking news. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, it, it's not, it's rare in our industry that we actually get a heads up of like, hey, there's a storm a coming. And we were like, can we, up, can we like look up at the sky of Twitter? And it's just like rumble, rumble, rumble. And then sure enough, like, just a downpour that Warner Brothers is putting all of its big 2021 movies out in theaters and on HBO Max at the same time. This includes The Suicide Squad, The Conjuring 3, Godzilla vs. Kong, The Mortal Kombat reboot, Dune, and a list of others. Uh, But those are, of course, the major ones we care about. Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of same format as we're going to, that's going to kick off with Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas will get a simultaneous premiere in theaters and on HBO Max, but it will only run for one month on HBO Max before being taken off the service. And it's all these movies will be free 
to people who are already subscribers with HBO Max. So no additional cost. None of that Disney Plus extra premium. <laughs> oh my gosh. $30. Yeah, $30. Did they ever open Mulan up? To everyone? Nope, it's, it's actually free just today, went today, baby. It's yeah, free it's today. Yeah. today. Hey, Mulan is free today. Timing. So if you've been worried, yeah, yeah, if you've been waiting for Mulan free, today is your day. Yay. Right. And HBO Max is learned from this. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I will finally watch it. Yeah, you guys, you guys remember <laughs> the show season two back in May when we were all just looking at HBO Max coming out the gate like, how are you going to mess with this Disney Plus action, buddy? Oh, yeah. And now we're ending the year on a very different note. What do you think? Jim Biscardi, you're a producer. You're, you're all over this industry. Look, Tell us how you're feeling about this. This, this, one, this one's going to be an interesting one. And so uh, as of right now, the plan is, for, like you said, for 2021. That may change midway through 2021. Like if, like if things start to get back to normal and whatever, like I, I can't imagine they would re, like go back on this brand, big brand proclamation that it's all going to go there because I think it's a, it's a necessary step uh, for, especially for, for where we are. And like legitimately, and like we talk about this all the time, this industry is changing literally every day uh, for, you know, for better, for worse, for somewhere, somewhere in between. Um, studios are going to get to a point where they cannot have an enormous backlog. And there are only so many weekends to open up in a year. There's, there's, you're going to start getting movie crowding. And, and, you know, at what point do you just say, you know what, forget it. (laughs) And so, I mean, but but it's been interesting because like you've been seeing, even before this, right? Like studios like Paramount selling Coming to America 2 to Amazon and, you know, a bunch of movies getting sold to the the streaming networks. Like this is something that before this was already kind of happening. And this just expedited it. This this just expedited it. But when you look, when you look at where, where we've landed for 2021 and what Warner Brothers release calendar looks like, it's got some big movies in it. It's got Suicide Squad. It's got The Matrix 4. Um, and, uh, you know, it's got a few. And then, and then you've got, like, you know, the, the next kind of tier down. You've got your, your Mortal Kombat's, which, you know, I don't think they were planning on that being a billion-dollar franchise. But now that, you know, now everyone's going to be able to see it. And here's the, here's the, the great thing. War- HBO Max has now become the... HBO has always been this, but for for the movie year, the mature audiences streaming platform for for movies, right? Because like mm-hmm. everything that we've gotten on for Disney Plus really has been PG PG thirteen and True. and below. And so there are you know a lot of adults out there all who want to go see movies who are going to be able to have that experience at, at home. And like, so there are a lot of people be like, oh my God, this is going to kill the, the theater industry. It's definitely going to hurt it. It's not going to help. And so, but, but I feel what, like we but, have no other choice at this point. Well, I mean, if they stop right. for an entire year, I mean, that will also kill the industry. Yeah. And, so, and, and there, the argument, there, there's been an argument that's been like, well, you know, the studios are never going to make their money back on this because these are supposed to be, you know, some of these are billion dollar, you know, potential to be billion dollar franchises. Yeah. And I, I can see how, how someone would think that initially. But the, the biggest thing that you need to realize is, is that this, the money that they would make from these movies expands so far beyond just the box office. It's licensing, it's merchandise, it's, it's a ton of other stuff in addition to obviously getting more of those eyeballs on, 
on HBO Max. Like this definitely, HBO Max now has the premier lineup of movies out of any of the streaming platforms for 20 Oh yeah, easy. Like, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's dumb to mention Apple, Apple TV plus, but like that, who cares about that anymore? <laughs> um, Amazon, Amazon has been, Amazon has been picking up properties from other studios. Yeah. And has been slowly beginning to, to build that library. They've been there. sneaking up. Like, yeah. Prime, and, Prime is one of the sneakiest, yeah. biggest builders right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, Netflix will always be what it is. I think they're, you know, the, it'll be interesting to see what 2021 looks like. They were able to get through 2020 because they filmed a ton of stuff already. Right. Uh, but I mean, you know, they've got they've got a, a number of things from uh, that are not necessarily franchise-driven kind of stuff that that'll come to the platform. But like, you know, for for the be- the best bang for your buck for 2020 run right now looks like HBO Max and Netflix. Um, sure, Disney Plus is going to have the Marvel you know, the MCU shows, and so I would probably put that in third, um, because, just because I think the the shows are different than than you know how you would consider movies like every like those marvel fans are going to flock to watch that stuff um, oh yeah but but yeah i mean it's it, it's interesting and it's you know it's the joke that everyone makes now where it's just like you know i don't know which which subscription service to subscribe to and why can't someone just bundle them all and i'm like that was cable and you wanted to get rid of it <laughs> so, <laughs> true oh my gosh that's true. a really good point i'm personally pumped about this and i just i know we've talked about this for a long time already but i was just curious like which movie are you guys most excited about from uh oh, this so I'm hbo i'm really excited for mortal kombat me too <laughs> that was my favorite movie as a kid i was the weirdo kid that was obsessed with mortal kombat and all my friends were like playing with barbies Uh, i mean i'm i don't know if i'm excited for i'm just excited to see what the experience is collectively of everybody doing this at home i'm kind of interested to see how that plays out and if there is a way to kind of have the kind of connectivity that people are kind of screaming about losing in theaters you know through other means i mean we here know better than anybody after this year how you can pull mu- movie communities even closer together, even if you're apart and watching in separate homes, because we did that. And Brandon Davis, you know, he did that yeah. um, with our quarantine watch party. So I'm kind of curious to see. We got to move on in a second, but... One I, thing I, I just want, we actually a, have some breaking news, Kofi. I don't mean oh to throw man. off the flow of your show, <gasps> but Oscar Isaac is attached to play Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid. And it's Sony is picking it up and taking it, taking it to the theaters. <laughs> what? Oscar Isaac is just landing. What is going on? Oh my God. This <laughs> is supposed to be a quiet yeah. podcast. <laughs> That's but now there really is there's not much more there's not much more news uh, outside of that. Um, So there's they still don't know when it's going to go into production because uh, Oscar Isaac's schedule is very very busy right now. He's got Moon Knight. Yeah, he's Moon Knight. uh, He's got he's got scenes from a marriage uh, on uh, for the HBO show. Uh, Dune is coming up. I mean, Dune is done, right? But like, uh, but he's also supposed to be in. He's supposed to be in Ex Machina. The uh, the uh, sorry, Brian K. Vaughn's Ex Machina, which I think got got retitled to like The Great Machine or something. Um, And so like, so he's got a very busy schedule. Really trying to figure out how I feel about that. I solid snake. Yeah, I mean, I kind of kind of love it. That's not a jump I would normally make. Like, that's not a like he's a great actor, and I'm sure yeah. he'll do fine. But that's not like he's not my face that I picture. Right, that I picture. Yeah, solid like, snake's kind of a kind of a Clint Eastwood type in a weird way. Like, it, I don't want Clint Eastwood as solid snake, obviously, but you know what I mean. 
that could be uh they could be interesting they could be interesting yeah i mean it's gonna be i mean oscar isaac's choices right now is mark specter and solid snake are both interesting and i'm sure he just went he was like look i gotta do the workouts anyway let's just get a, mer- <laughs> yeah. get a mercenary two right. for one oh like, my god yeah. That's um, but that's crazy. Thank you. Oh my God, I want Oscar Isaac in a cardboard box. I just, that's all I want. <laughs> I want that's all I want. I just want him to sneak around in a box and I'll be so happy. I, I still have and had for years. Uh, the, my ringtone is the, like, nice. the, from the, his, from his, whatever the hell you want to call it. I love it. All right, so that's breaking news, and uh, thank you, Jimmy Viscardi, producing some of that right there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so we'll wrap it up on the movie theater industry. The only thing I was going to say about the WB thing is it's crazy that some of their, like, producing partners didn't even know about this. Uh, What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a thing that happened. Yeah, that's a thing that happened. They found out on Twitter? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Did did anyone comment? Um. I don't know if they everybody's commented. Lions, Lionsgate commented in, in the fact that they said that they didn't know. Oh, <laughs> so. I, and I think legendary with the other are. one for like Godzilla yeah. versus Kong a lot of WTF yeah. texts. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry, that's what I meant. I meant I meant, uh, leg- legendary, I meant legendary. Yeah, whoever. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, a lot of that going on. So we're gonna see wow. how that part of this shakes out because that is another e part of this equation. Uh, not telling yeah. your producing partners and distribution partners that you're doing this. All right, because uh, they're not violating anything. It's going to theaters. They just yeah. didn't tell them. And that's some that's that's great business 101 right there. We didn't lie. We they're going to theaters. Oh wow. In the yeah. chat, we got a Nintendo fan says CEO of AMC Entertainment commented on it and he is not okay with it. Oh yeah. He Oh no, wow. theaters theaters, the, are, theaters are not okay with it. Yeah, we can no. just speak for them. No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Let's move along from uh that and our breaking news to talking about Marvel's Hawkeye. The conversation that will make Jim very happy and Matt very angry. I want to <laughs> get into this. So out of all the MCU phase four projects, you know, not surprisingly, as usual, Hawkeye was kind of bringing up the year rear in time in terms of uh, excitement for this. But uh, I think that's changed now because we just, oh, wow. <laughs> Jim, hot, spicy in here today. I love it. All right. Oh, man. EGIF. All right. So. We've gotten some big updates about the Hawkeye series, which is going into production. And like any other Marvel project, once it's in production, they can't keep all the secrets from us anymore because people see stuff. So first of all, yes, they have Kate Bishop in this show. Yes, yeah. it is Haley Steinfeld from uh, True Grit, Bumblebee, and you know all those songs you love. So <laughs> there's that. But we got a crazy kind of Marvel character casting drop for this show that I don't think anybody really expected. First things first, uh, you know, this says a lot, but we're getting a Black Widow in this show, and it's not Scarlett Johansson. Uh, right. Florence Pugh's Yelena will be appearing in Hawkeye as, you know, Black Widow, um, which kind of suggests that, again, the Black Widow movie, I mean, is that kind of a spoiler for how this thing kind of ends? Or kind of, goes? yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean- Sure. But at this point, but I mean, we all kind whatever. of whatever. You know, we knew. <laughs> like, just Florence give us more content. Signed on, we said yeah. this isn't going to be a one-off. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, we also got additional characters that are going to be appearing in the show in the casting for them. We are going to get Echo, the uh, deaf Native American character who can copy people's moves and do all that. We're going to get Clown, who is uh, kind of ties to Hawkeye in that series from uh, was it Matt Fraction? I forget who wrote that. Series. Matt Fraction and David yeah. Ahazran. Yep. Yeah. 
So that, which was one of the more kind of beloved modern Hawkeye, Hawkeye takes. And Swordsman, who we were just slamming pretty hard for, for All Fall in uh, Marvel's kind of Empire crossover, is going to get his MCU debut in the Hawkeye series. So Jim and Matt, how do you guys... Oh, and Vera Farmiga is playing uh, Kate Bishop's mom and possibly theories are she could be playing somebody else like Madam Mask. How do you guys feel about this? Jim, as the guy who understands Hawkeye is the soul of this MCU, <laughs> how do you feel about this? It, I mean, look, it, it is very clear that this show is going to take all of its cues starting from that that fraction run and and move forward because the inclusion of swordsman means you know swordsman had a, a pretty big role in the cape bishop hawkeye series um that 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 came further down the line uh, everyone you know losing their mind over uh you know shots of pizza dog which is pizza great dog. that's the most important I think, part <laughs> i think one of the cool one of the cool things that a lot of eagle-eyed fans pointed out though was it looks like uh clint barton is going to have a hearing aid in in this show which i think is is very cool not only from a you know uh uh you know a representation standpoint i mean it, it's i you know i'm not sure how how what everyone knows but like i my both of my parents are deaf and so that's a, it's a, just a very cool thing to see so i imagine you know the uh sign language and deaf culture actually played played a pretty big role in that and it's one of those tidbits about hawkeye that like we've always known but it was never never kind of shown so so that'll be interesting to see um but honestly, like, I I'd imagine this show fits more on the, uh, obviously, you know, the Widow and Captain America and Falcon Winter Soldier side of the uh, MCU timeline fence than, as opposed yeah. to the, the other lane that seems to be, you know, the Doctor yeah. Strange. And, and, and just Wanda for context, there are clear, two clear distinct lanes to phase four. There's this yeah. kind of earthbound rearrangement of crime syndicates and covert ops and all that stuff happening across Black Widow, Falcon Winter Soldier, Shang-Chi, uh, now Hawkeye, and then there's this more kind of cosmic multiverse stuff. Right, which is going. why I'm like, eh, rolling my eyes on the... <laughs> oh, <laughs> because I just like, I really like the cosmic oh, stuff. Sorry, I, I, you know, I, would, I would venture to say it's probably, it's probably three lanes, Kofi, because it's, I would say cosmic. that the, the, strange, the strange and WandaVision stuff probably is on its own track, but I, I can't imagine it overlaps with any, anything that's going on with Guardians and Thor. Like time travel? Like, like true cosmic stuff. Okay. Um, I think we're like the magic and mysticism. Oh, but right. you don't know yet. But you, you know, know I, that that's no, that's kidding. true. I mean, inevitably, at the end of the day, it's all connected, right? Hashtag, it's all connected. R.I.P. Jeff Loeb. And we're not. I mean, and just to bring a, put a bow on this, because of Kang, this could really all be connected, and the kind of central villain of Kang, the Conqueror. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean that's all it. Then we've Kate got Bishop, that Young Avengers. Kate Bishop's yeah. dope. Kate yeah. Bishop's dope, and it's awesome that it's awesome to see Steinfeld like in the role and them together. He lost the buzz cut thing, that weird mohawk slash buzz cut weird thing he had in Endgame. He lost. Well, he's it. not he's not angry Ronan anymore. He's um, back to being. You know, good but it's, so that's the thing. That's the interesting thing, though. Like, we may actually see Echo as Ronan, or like flashbacks because Echo be was awesome. the original Ronan. Yeah. Echo was the original run. Yeah, no, I uh, it, I was excited to see Bishop. I was excited to see Pizza Dog. I do think, <laughs> well, I'm not excited for <laughs> the Hawkeye side of the series. I'm excited Same. for the, like, torch to pass so I can get Bishop and stuff. But I will say, I do love that they're leaning so hard into this run. And also that, like, the hearing aid stuff. Like, there's some really interesting things done in that run that I am excited for them to tackle here. So... 
it's it's the most high I can be on this series. I am. <laughs> from All right. what I'm you, know, you know what? Today in 2020, we will take it. Right. Yeah. All <laughs> right. It's positive. I think I'm being positive. Uh, seeing I mean, I'll, I'll seeing a it. lot of the filming in New York though has me a bit like nostalgic for uh, and homesick for New York, and so I'm a. Uh, I'm very excited for that. Yes, that's my everyday, Jim. But here I am with <laughs> you in Nashville <laughs> doing this. So, yes, let's move right along now because I can't pay these therapy bills. You guys should watch Dash and Lily. It's set in New York and it's a Christmas series on stop. Netflix. It's adorable. I don't, I don't need Stop adding to my day. It's so cute. We're taking a break. We're paying some bills. We're coming back. We're talking The Mandalorian. And then we got some comics to talk about. So stay tuned for all of that. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right. So we're back. Let's talk. Let's talk Mandalorian this week. Um, if you guys have not seen The Mandalorian, we are going to get into some stuff here. We're going to get into some spoilers because spoilers. Uh, this podcast has to kind of live from now for the next couple of days. But I realize that this early hour of Friday, some of you may not have seen it. So give us like a good seven, eight minute span here. If yeah, you especially, especially if you're watching on Twitch. Like, yeah. yeah. If you're watching on Twitch right now. Just mute us. Mute us. Or just keep watching. Keep those views up. Mute us. But come back in like seven or eight minutes. We do I'll not do a ruin. big, big, two big thumbs up when it's safe to come yeah. back. There you we go. don't want to ruin the Mandalorian for you. So please, we do not want to ruin it for anybody. But we're going to talk about the latest episode of the Mandalorian. Spoiler alert. Last one. Here we go. All right. So the latest episode of The Mandalorian is chapter 14 that flashed hope with the ominous title of The Tragedy. And I was oh like, my gosh. oh. So, I was so scared. Yeah, right? I was so watching this at like late night and I'm like, oh God, I have to watch this like right before bed and it's called The Tragedy. Yeah. Oh man, you are. You took I didn't sleep till two. Yeah. So uh, Mando and Baby Yoda, Grogu, make their way to Tython, that planet Ahsoka sent them to, to go to this Jedi temple where Grogu can kind of commune with the Force and contact a Jedi. So they get there, but like all things in Mandalorian, it's never <laughs> quite just a straight line. So they get to the planet, they get to the temple, and as soon as they get Grogu on this seeing rock, uh, there's two ambushes. One is from Boba Fett, and the other is from Moff Gideon. And when Boba Fett returns, he brings a surprise kind of uh, accomplice with him. And one more spoiler alert for you guys, because we're trying to take care of you. But that person is, of course, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ming-Na Wen, who plays Fennec Shand, the kind of expert assassin uh, who started Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. She's still alive! And... That kind of explains what that cliffhanger ending of that episode was, if you remember. So Mando leaves the planet and kind of 
leave in Fennec, we see her body laying in the dirt, and then we see this figure with spurs kind of approach her body, and everybody was like, it's Boba Fett! And we were all like, shut <laughs> up. And then it turns out it is Boba Fett. And Boba Fett <laughs> saved her and has his own kind of, you know, Darth Vader-style cybernetic thing that apparently could treat really bad injuries, um, which could maybe explain, again, how he got out of the Sarlacc pick and is still with us, even though he's not pretty anymore. But, um, yeah. So she's back, and they have this epic fight. But, you know, Boba doesn't want to fight Mando. He wants his armor back. And here's the kind of key of this episode. The first key. There's a lot of keys in this episode. But the first one is we get this kind of retcon that they kind of quickly jabble and throw at you for Jango Fett and Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars series, which Jango Fett was a guy who's the best bounty hunter. He was wearing Mandalorian armor, but he supposedly stole it and just wore it. And in Clone Wars, they specifically say when they go to Mandalore, Obi-Wan gets told, that dude's not a Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. Well, this chapter of the Mandalorian says, nope, we're doing away with all that. Jango Fett was a true, uh, was a foundling like Din Djarin, um, who earned his armor fighting in the Mandalorian Civil Wars, which are are a whole thing between the clans of Mandalorians. And basically, Boba is trying to, kind of kind of cash in on the Mandalorian legacy clause to have his father's armor returned to him because it's rightfully his by the creed of the Mandalorian and all this stuff. So they're not fighting Boba and Din, Din Djarin actually work this out because Din Djarin's like, all right, it's, it's according to the creed. Here's your, you know, I'll give you your armor. But they get ambushed by Moff Gideon and this other crazy ambush kind of unfolds and we get these awesome action scenes, courtesy of Robert Rodriguez of, you know, Boba Fett and Fennec taking out stormtroopers, Boba Fett getting his armor awesome. back and awesome. getting to see what Boba Fett's armor finally looks like on full display with all of its weapons and craziness and all of that. And of course, Mando fighting, you know, stormtroopers. It gets crazier. We got the dark troopers officially name drop. They made their debut. We find out what they are in Star Wars canon and little baby Grogu got taken, which, you know, as a father, that was a little bit harrowing for me. I did not, I did not like that part. So um, awful. Yeah. But, uh, I'm sad. The end of the episode was actually my favorite part, which is Grogu in captivity with Moff Gideon, and they have their kind of first face-off. And we get to see Baby Yoda, you know, have his first fight scene, which is as (laughs) horrible as you would think it is and uh, awesome. (laughs) And he uses a couple force chokes on some guys. You know, he's got some dark side in him, Baby Yoda does. So, yeah, that that was all really good. And... First of all, my main takeaway of this episode is Baby Yoda handcuffs might be the cutest thing I've seen all year. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, they better release like a handcuffed Baby Yoda doll because like... I just just love that like like new dad Mando is like the only thing keeping Baby Yoda from the dark side, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and you don't don't think it would end up that way. You think his parenting would questionably lead there, but (laughs) it's good. My other takeaway from this episode is Giancarlo Esposito is so awesome that he can act with a puppet and still make, like, (laughs) my favorite scenes, like, of the year. That was great. That's a great scene. I was thinking to myself, him walking down the hallway is menacing as all hell. And I'm like, oh, this guy is, he's scary. Very. Yeah, I love this. But um, what'd you guys think of the episode? Janelle, let's jump to you. Oh my gosh, I loved it. Ah, it's actually been my favorite episode of the entire series. Oh, wow. um, well, I think it's one of the shortest episodes, at least from it this is. season. 
Yeah. It was, and yeah, it was about two, 25 to 29 minutes long. So. Yeah. And I was actually, I looked at the time first and I was kind of disappointed because you guys know I like more content and longer episodes. And uh, I just was on the edge of my seat the whole time. I feel like they really blocked out the story perfectly in such a short amount of time. Um, obviously super disturbed by Baby Yoda, sorry, uh, Grogu. P.S. Everyone is pronouncing that name wrong. And every time they do, I have to correct them because I, it just like, I'm going to start saying it wrong. Is mm-hmm. it? But yes, I'm they're sticking with that name. That. Yeah. yeah. Baby Yoda. Okay. <laughs> You're in a safe space here. You can call baby Yoda. Okay. Baby Yoda. I like that so much better. Um, honestly, just so much. You've, you've basically reviewed the whole episode. So I just feel like they did a fabulous job. I feel like the directing was magnificent. I feel like the writing was incredible. It's really hard to get that much story in such a short episode. And uh, just, I'm enjoying this series so much, so much. Yeah. Jim, Matt, how do you guys feel about Boba Fett, this version we're getting of Boba Fett? Because he's had several phases. First, he was just Mm -hmm. Mr. Iconic Nobody from the original trilogy. Then the Clone Wars animated series kind of made a backstory to him as a young kid, which fans were on the fence about. How are you guys feeling about old man Boba? Uh, I'm sorry, did you see the knee rockets he had? That was awesome. I that mean, was, yes. <laughs> that was so cool. You mean my 2021 <laughs> wardrobe choice? Yes. <laughs> I, I personally, this is my favorite Boba. I, I will say that. He's most interesting to me. Because, I mean, I love the design. I've always loved the iconic design of the character. And, and just there's a coolness factor about him. But... Again, like if it's always been that thing of like you look at the character, he's been in the trilogy, you know, he's in there for like 20 minutes, <laughs> like total, like Django's a very small part. Like they're all, it's always never completely fleshed out. It's always just been this really cool design mostly. And here, I, I really dig it. Like this, I, this is a character I can, I can actually get behind and, and like. I liked also that he fought with, what the heck is, I'm not like the biggest Star Wars aficionado, I will say up front. So I don't know what that weapon he has is that he's like hitting people with, which looks like a lacrosse. <laughs> like it looks oh, like oh my gosh. That, that puppy is new. Yeah, we have not seen that. <laughs> okay, cool. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm sure it's been referenced somewhere, but like <laughs> that thing was awesome. I mean, that, I, he was fighting with like a giant staff that looks like it should be on a lacrosse field. And like, it's amazing. Like he makes it look that killer. So uh, yeah, I, I dig it. I dig it. Jim, I know you have Boba Fett thoughts. <laughs> the Mandalorian just feels like a Star Wars reclamation project, right? Where where they are taking these pieces of and 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 time frames of continuity, and and for all intents and purposes, like it feels like fix is the wrong word, but it it's if it's the right word, lot, it's the right word. Well, but there there have been a, there have been a lot of th- Star Wars threads, right? What about and I feel like freshes? Or, but I know, but I feel like the I feel like the Mandalorian is holding all of the strings to the you know various Star Wars balloons that are floating out there yeah. in a way that is that is incredibly cool to see. Yes, there are always there are going to be things that new fans don't understand. There are going to be things that you know fans of certain aspects of those things are are going to love and, and appreciate. But what I love about it is is it makes me feel like I want to go do the research in a way that like. That yes. comics kinds, kinds I, agree of, with I feel you. like does for you. Yeah, and, yeah. We, and I mean, that's what I and like and I and have so like, been. Just not yeah. to interrupt you, but there are actual numbers behind that and they're significant. Yes, there mm-hmm. have been significant bumps, for instance, in Clone Wars and Rebels viewing Good. on Disney Plus because 
of yeah. the Mandalorian episodes having to deal with Bo-Katan and Ahsoka and people wanting to find out. So there actually, there is a numerical bump that we can actually point to. Yeah. So like I said, and so like, I think that that is definitely the case for, for, for Boba Fett. I would definitely, you know, like to learn more. And I think, you know, like Kofi, you basically, you know, appreciate it. This is all for all intents and purposes, setting up for the, the rumored Boba Fett, show the spinoff show and that's what this show seems to be doing right like it's it's collecting everything and holding on to it but then also like you know last week's episode was the setup for the ahsoka like an ahsoka tano spinoff we actually have three is for bad batch yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) or no four i forgot we we got a we have so far we have a possible bo Bo katan night owl series a bad batch thing to explain baby yoda's kind of getting out of revenge of the sith Ahsoka series, looking for Thrawn and wrapping up Rebels and Ezra, and now this Boba Fett series. So, it's just impressive yeah. though, how it does it in such a, it does not feel like they are, oh, hey, here's your spinoff episode. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, feel like, like that. Here, here's your backdoor pilot. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's genuinely like woven, like the, the thing where like at the very end, right, when they're both like, well, we made a deal and like, we're going to, you know, be with you until the child's safe. I lost my flipping <laughs> mind because I was like, oh, my God, they're a team, right? I was so yes. excited. I was like, I was, so, I was yeah. so cool. Like, when he goes up and he sees, like, the Empire ship and, like, all that stuff, it's so well done. And then, yes, you can automatically launch a series if you want. And while the Boba Fett series has been rumored for a while, I have cared not one bit <laughs> about wanting to watch it. I'm like, yeah, it's just not – whatever. That's fine. But now – if it's this one, yes, I will. I will absolutely watch that. So it's it was so, it was so cool to see Slave One though flying around. Oh, that was cool. The, oh, yeah. Like oh, I am, he came into the atmosphere. I lost. I was like up here at three a three a.m. and I like jumped up in the thing like <laughs> Matrix dude. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. like I I am not I am not one for uh you know like the because I feel like this show has really traded on a lot of just like star wars nostalgia bait kind of thing and and i was starting to get worried that there were no stakes and this episode basically took all of my opinions of the first half of this season threw them out the window because now we have stakes because it felt like it's it's just been like mandalorian shows up meets a new friend hey i need help okay uh baby's in danger oh okay (laughs) right and that's it and then and then then the, the episode ends now, now it feels like there are stakes and I am, I am, I am in on it. That's awesome. We got to move on. But the last note that I'm excited for is Bill Burr's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Always end of the episode Bill Burr. to kind of find Moff Gideon and rescue baby Yoda. They need Bill Burr. So they're going to get Bill Burr's character. <laughs> I mean, from who doesn't need Bill Burr? I know. I was just watching the King of Staten Island. I need more Bill Burr. So <laughs> like, yeah. So that's, I'm excited for that and kind of revisiting because the gunslinger was uh, from season one. Uh, was my favorite episode of the show. Uh, well, second second favorite, but he was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, it was it, it was good. So that's the Mandalorian, you guys. Jim, give him a thumbs up. Tell him they could come back. It's safe now, Twitch viewers. If you had us muted, come back. Come on <laughs> back, everybody. All right. So type it, type it. We that's the Mandalorian. We're looking forward to. There's two episodes left in the season, so it's it's about to go down for real. So these next two episodes are going to get real. Be so. nice to Baby Yoda. Oh my God, I'm so sad. It makes me so. It breaks my heart. All right, what breaks your heart? No spoilers. Let's move on. So, comics. 
We got to talk about this week. Uh, there's some big things I do want to talk about. I think next week I want to talk about uh, King and Black a little bit um, and that whole nice. Venom thing because that big Marvel event is getting crazy real fast. But we got to do our cleanup. I, I feel like we'd be robbing fans if we didn't do cleanup on uh, Ten of Swords, the X-Men crossover event, the big one since House of X and that whole relaunch. So we've been kind of on the fence. I think we've been kind of split in this show about how we enjoyed it. And by Very split, I mean so. Jim was kind of the downer on this, but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Not in a bad way. I mean, he, you made fair points. You made fair points about whether it was a bait and switch. I think Matt and I enjoyed it because it played up some of the elements of this new Dawn of X reboot we like, just the kind of characters getting together, doing weird situations, weird character combinations. And it turned out to be an unexpected pleasure because Ten of Swords turned out to be really a fantasy story in a lot of ways about the X-Men going to fantasy land and having to kind of, you know, at the whims of a, of a witch face this dark other half of these mutant people. Uh, but then, man, X or Ten of Swords destruction just really—I mean, that was about as comic booky as it gets, right? Like, I mean, that that had everything in it. Yeah. And <laughs> I was again—I was—I read that when I was up at like three in the morning, and I was just like, thought I would just take read a couple pages, but every page I was just like, what? Like, what? Oh, okay, like, okay. And then it, I mean, that was epic. Uh, yeah, the X Men. Basically, this tournament goes sideways. doesn't even matter in the end. They're going to have a full-on war with this dark army, and it becomes a full, you know, all-out war. And just gorgeous art for me and just gorgeous battle scenes. And the best thing was, even though there was a lot of silliness and play in this crossover, I feel like there were still the necessary kind of character beats and threads to make this final battle and this epic war actually matter and have me care about it. Uh, and it even brought back some of the kind of things we were ragging on in the beginning, like the whole cable issue with him going to the orbital station and that whole weird thing came finally back into play. So I enjoyed it. And I like, I don't think there was as drastic the changes as they might have teased with some of the setup to this. You know, if you die in other world, you're kind of gone and these new copies coming out and all that. But I think it did a nice job of actually re-rebooting this house of x concept for the next phase and having me be interested and care about like where it's going next and care about a much wider world of the x-men now that has like all these Araco mutants and all this stuff in their history so that was my take what did you guys think jim i'm kind of interested to see how you how you thought this this crossover stuck the landing uh i i I, I enjoy. I enjoyed the. I enjoyed the ending. Um, I thought it was a, an incredibly interesting way to write off Apocalypse um, in a way that like just puts him on the shelf for a little bit, and you know, hopefully, we'll see him somewhere somewhere down the line. It. Um, I just. I don't necessarily know. Like, I feel like with these big events, there's usually a pretty good idea of where the X Men go next. And I don't necessarily know as if we got that here. Like, it feels like, okay, we did the thing and now it's, it's different, but not really. And we kind of just go back to normal and hope for the best, basically. And, and the other thing that, that, I, that I honestly thought we were going to get here as a way for um, some, some payoff is, is like, I, I figured Moira would be involved in, in some form or fashion. And she wasn't. And so like, that's still like a big major thread that's just kind of hanging out there that I hope has not necessarily been forgotten about. Um, but it was okay. You know, you really it, think it, Hickman forgot about that though? I don't think so. I, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, sure. Yeah. But like, 
But would that have made this better? I don't. I don't think Moira would I don't, have made I don't this know. better. I, I mean, I don't. I don't know. But for me, I don't think the ending set anything up for me to be excited about. I, I, That's the biggest thing for me. You know what's crazy? I'm going to agree with Jim. <laughs> you bastard. I'm good, but I'm split. Okay, so I'm kind of split because I really enjoyed this issue. Like I, like it is very, as Kofi said, it's very comic booky. There's a lot of big action. Look, when Scott and Gene come in, and like that full group of X Men comes in, and like as the reinforcements, I'm not gonna lie. Like I marked out huge. I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> they came, oh, they got their too. son. Like there's an awesome Cyclops moment and like dialogue of just like it's so good like there's so much of that like just killer x-men like we're gonna go do the job because that's what we do stuff in here oh love that right so we get to the the battle part and like there's some interesting stuff there but then like the second half of the book is just like hey your team's not good enough we need more reinforcements so here's another group and here's another group. And then finally, that thing that I still can't stand. I still don't like that one issue. I know Jamie loved it. I can't take that issue of X-Men where it was literally shoehorned in here just so that they could have the, like, the deuce of machina, essentially, of like, hey, we can call upon this army that we've developed in no way, shape, or form. We're just going <laughs> to call upon them, and they're going to save the day. Because it's not the other two that save the day. It's them. It's just, like, the overwhelming. So I thought that was kind of a cop-out. Because I didn't feel like we earned that. I felt like that we shoehorned it way back here. I'm not saying it wasn't there, but I'm just saying it did. It didn't feel earned. It felt just like, oh yeah, okay, and then and then it was done. And so that part was that left me like the the ending kind of left me a little lukewarm. I loved the getting there. I I didn't love how we left things and like the apocalypse stuff is cool. I, that's really interesting. I love that he stayed back, and then like that reunion with the horsemen and things like that's interesting. But I kind of agree with Jim as far as like there's not that that hook for the next, you know, for like what is it? Is it Reign of X that's next? Yes. Is, it, is that what the next thing is? So like there's not that 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 thing that's just like, oh yeah, that's what we're gonna build around. I'm not saying that they're not gonna put in some interesting things. And honestly, I think some of the books are strong enough on their own that they'll develop their own hooks individually and then they'll build to another thing like this. But it's just the the ending part left me a little lukewarm. I wasn't as thrilled with it because uh, I thought it just kind of, it was very tied up in a bow and there wasn't a lot of long, there wasn't a lot of ramifications going forward that I'm excited about. I think I disagree only in the sense that there are a lot of subtle things that happened in this. I think there's kind of a trick they play. A lot of this action takes place in Otherworld and there's a lot of focus on that, but there are a lot of ramifications for the X-Men and Krakoa after this. Um, the Arako connection's still there. Um, it's not going away. The Council and the X-Men and, and Krakoa, the balance of power has shifted greatly because the Quiet Council has kind of sacrificed Gene and Scott and other people that kind of balanced it out. Now the evil mutants kind of have more of a hold sinister has all that DNA that he's kind of holding on to. Uh, there are a lot of things in the works, you know, the whole thing with the captain Britain corpse are back and who bet like whatever is happening with Betsy right now and all of that. So but I agree that those are there, yeah. but those aren't event building things. Oh, there I, I there agree. are things marauders will explore the council, right? And that's really exciting. Other worlds. Like, no, this is set up for the Excalibur. next run of issues. Yes, but I don't see the like that central 
thing that's like, hey, here's where we're planting our flag for like the next chapter of X-Men Oh, no, I don't think stories. that's there yet. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just individual, hey, we're planting the seed for this series, for this series, which is fine. And I think uh, some of them will do great things, but then others will kind of fall flat. But I just didn't see that big next thing of like, well, here's what we're building that next huge chapter of the X-Men universe around. But um, No, but uh, I don't think, but by the same token, I think it's fair to say that I don't think any of us saw Ten of Swords coming when we got to the end True. of House of X. Not at all. Um, but so I'm not there. Uh, I also just to kind of close out this because we got to end the show. But um, I did judge what I how I felt on the next kind of post event issue, which was Hellions that I picked up mm-hmm. uh, and read. And I think at least in that book, and this could be by book by book. I think Marauders will do well. Hellions, X Men. I'm on the, really on the fence about about how that's going, but. Hellions did a good job of just kind of segueing away from this event and back into its own thing uh, with everybody yeah. kind of just trying to figure out how they got killed in other worlds, <laughs> what happened, <Yeah. laughs> Sinister playing them all and then having oh. to go on this next mission. And there are exciting things happening because that book ends with a major X-Men villain return. And I was like, oh, I'm like excited about this now. So uh, Janelle, what did you think? Cause I'm curious. <laughs> um, very hard to jump into like a last yeah. issue. Yeah. We threw you in. We threw uh, Janelle into the, just this last issue of this crossover of the X-Men reboot. However, uh, because I had no context, don't, I, I feel like I'm least familiar with X-Men and uh, you know, the backstory and everyone's roles. Um, I was a little confused at first who was the bad guys and who was the good guys. And that's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, I don't recommend anyone just jumping in, but I will say that the positive things are, I loved the art. I loved the story progression without even using words. Um, that's something that Lately, I haven't been seeing a lot of in my comic book reading. So I really, really enjoyed being able to like experience, I feel like a real comic book experience, like watching huge battles and like beautiful art. And I love seeing all of that. Um, I feel like I haven't really experienced a lot of that. Obviously, I've been reading Three Jokers and um, and things like that. So I, I very much appreciate it. I liked what they were doing. I feel that obviously a lot of things were lost on me, but... I'm intrigued and I also love like the world. I love, I'm guessing, is it like interdimensional, cosmic? I don't really understand exactly what world we're in, but I like the weird stuff. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm into it. it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that stuff. So I'm definitely going to probably sink my teeth into this and just kind of read the whole thing at my own time. And Well, that's um, what I was actually going to ask. So after reading this, because I know Kofi brought up, you know, House of X. Yes. And that's really what set the stage for all of this to follow. Okay. So does reading this intrigue yes. you and interest you to go totally. back to that? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And awesome. you sent me something really helpful for if there are any other noobs in the chat or hanging out. Um, there's like a guide, there's a handbook. And I feel like that's going to be extremely helpful. So that's on Comixology and I think it's going to be very helpful. <laughs> all right. A little right. reference point. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. That'll wrap it up for this show. We got to get out of here, but we want to thank you guys for listening to Comic Book Nation. As always, if you're just getting into the show, we will be putting up new episodes weekly on comicbook.com. We will also put up episodes live on Twitch and also broadcast on Facebook and the Comic Book Nation YouTube page. If you want to interact with us in the show, you can always follow the Comic Book Nation Twitter account or check in at the Comic Book Nation hashtag. If you want to hit us up individually, you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. 
You can find me at Meg. A twinkle you just hear when you hear my name. (laughs) (laughs) Merry Christmas. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CV. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler on Twitch and all of the socials. And I'm at Jim Biscardi. All right. That'll do it for this show. If you like it, we are on a bunch of podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. You can tell your smart home devices to fire up Comic Book Nation podcast, and it'll start playing for you. If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because we got a merch closet full of shirts we got to get rid of to our five-star reviewers. Otherwise, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, this is Comic Book Nation, and we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye, guys. See ya. Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC.